Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy to be here uh, with our Catholic audience and really more than anything else, um, to share our faith and to share our lives and our stories um, as we realize we're all trying to reach perfection, but it doesn't always happen. And let me tell you something, folks, just in case there was a question as to um, the truths of prophecies or just the idea of what's going on. If anybody listens to my show or has ever heard old episodes, you know that I find prophecies and apparitions and things very fascinating, not because I believe that they're going to uh, happen necessarily in our lifetime, not because I think that uh, they're going to happen exactly the way that it is written or said. We have to use heaven's eyes really to see these things, but because they are a warning, they are a uh, a question to our heart as to where we are in our Catholic faith, in our journey with Christ. The question is really, are we turning to Christ or not? Are we doing what is right uh, before the Lord? As you see from today's title, the title is, I had an affair. No, that does not mean me. But here's what I can tell you. As uh, as we've talked before, the final battle, Sister Lucia Dos Santos from Fatima told us, the final battle that Satan wants to wage is on the family. And let me tell you something from doing therapy, from talking to people, it is on the rise. There's more and more people I hear about that are having affairs, that are having challenges in their marriages. Uh, and we're going to go through some of that today because I'm going to talk about a few cases uh, that I've had to counsel and deal with and say, hey, let's get back on track. But before we get started here, why don't we do a prayer in defense of marriage? This is actually from the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So Catholic prayer in defense of marriage. And let's start like this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Father, we give you thanks for the gift of marriage, the bond of life and love, and the font of the family. The love of husband and wife enriches your church with children fills the world with a multitude of spiritual fruitfulness and service, and is the sign of the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, for his church. The grace of Jesus flowed forth at Cana at the request of the Blessed Mother. May your Son, through the intercession of Mary, pour out on us a new measure of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We join with all people of goodwill to promote and protect the unique beauty of marriage. May your Holy Spirit enlighten our society to treasure the heroic love of husband and wife and guide our leaders to sustain and protect the singular place of mothers and fathers in the lives of their children. Father, we ask that our prayers be joined to those of the Virgin Mary, that your word may transform our service, so as to safeguard the incomparable splendor of marriage, we ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know what I like about that prayer, folks? One, I like that it's coming from the bishops themselves. I like that it's in defense of marriage, 
But what I really liked when I was reading this prayer, because I keep looking for good prayers for marriage, for uh, how can I best counsel people when they're coming to me with marital issues, uh, with questions about their the sacrament of their of of marriage, of their relationship, of how they're feeling about it. I'm always looking for for prayers that will help either the people while they are going through it, the couples, the husbands, the wives, and the more than anything else to help you know, to help us to kind of get that perspective of marriage again and what it is, the bond um, between a man and a woman. And so that's one of the things about this prayer. I really like this prayer because it incorporates Our Lady, because it really asks Our Lady to <clears throat> intercede to us through to her son to ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go through this a little bit more uh, so I can show you what I shared with some of the guys I was counseling. But more than anything else, what I like about this prayer is as it's asking for the sanctity of our marriage, it is recognizing the marriage in heaven between Our Lady and God and the family that that formed. <clears throat> Mary, with the power of the Holy Spirit, bride of the Spirit, produced the Son of God, daughter of Father of uh, the God of the Father. It's just a beautiful, beautiful image of the family, beautiful, beautifully united spiritually with one will. And I think more than anything else, that is our goal. So what happens? What do you do? What happens when somebody comes to us and says, gosh, you know, Dr. Sandoval, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I messed up. Uh, and this is, you know, if it sounds familiar, or you're, or you're one of the guys who spoke to me, um, not talking about you, there's been about, <laughs> it's like easily 20, you know, there's multiple cases of this. So, and if they sound familiar, it's more than anything else because that's what's going on. You know, when we look at when we look at this and, and at, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about what does this mean? Why is this happening so much? And what's this attack on the marriage? Uh, this is important to talk about. But somebody comes up to us and says, you know, I don't know. I I had an affair. Uh, I, I uh, had an affair either with another woman. I had an affair with uh, pornography. I had an affair with watching too much football. I had an affair with, take your pick. You know, the mo for the most part, when we think I had an affair, usually it means that somebody cheated on their spouse, was not faithful, and uh, decided to have, uh, you know, relations with another person who was obviously not their spouse, not part of their marriage. Um, in today's day and age, though, I think that we need to really broaden what do we mean by affair? Uh, we can say, yeah, I violated my marriage because I was too focused on this other person and, you know, in a very real way, physically violated the marriage because I was intimate with someone else. That's one way to think about it. But what we forget and what we don't look at, as I've been talking to these guys, is there's different ways to end the marriage or to have an affair on our on our spouse, on our loved one, without necessarily uh, having had intimate relations with someone else. That's the classic definition, of course, and that's the one that, that you're going to go to confession and the priest is going to say, yeah, you know, that's true. Um, you had an affair. What are you going to do? This is this is horrible. Um, you got to get back with your spouse, whatever counseling they're going to give you. And we'll talk about what I was talking to with some of these guys. But really, we got to broaden this because a lot of the times I ask them or I say to them, I say, well, you got to get married again or be married again, or you got to just be in, in the game again, because there's different reasons why people do this. And half the time it's because you stop being married. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm always married. Well, married isn't just a state of life. Married is an action too. 
you know, one of the challenges is, and the first question that comes up is why? So why did you have this affair? What's going on? There's different things to think about. If you're having a, an official, classically defined affair of, yeah, I, I actually formed an emotional connection, physical connection, whatever it is with someone else, that's a, that's a challenge. Um, why'd you do that? Well, there's lots of reasons why people do that. Sometimes they say, I was feeling bored in my marriage. Or, you know, my spouse doesn't care about me. I feel like we're two different people. Or we should have never gotten married. That's a possibility sometimes, you know, where they say, well, I was way too immature. I didn't really love my wife. Or I was never even faithful to my wife on our wedding night. That's already something tells me there that that probably wasn't a very valid marriage if that's going on already. Some, somebody's heart is not in the uh, relationship there. Uh, and that can be a really, really big problem. But it speaks to the maturity of the couple. And should they have been married in the first place? And that's something else that we need to discuss. But then the other excuses are, you know, it, it was just there. I, you know, we haven't really been talking anymore, my wife and I. And yeah, we're in the same place. Don't get me wrong. I love her. And and it's not like I want to get a divorce. But, yeah, you know, it's just been whatever. And this other person, oh, they're so exciting. They're, they they really bring something out in me. They, they um, make me feel alive again. You know, so there's all these different reasons for it. So one of the things that happens, though, is I say, okay, well, what happened? So now, now why are you feeling bad or why are you coming to therapy? Because this has been going on for a while. You were fine while it was going good. Well, usually what will happen is, well, my wife found out my, um, you know, or the relationship ended, this person I was with uh, ended the relationship. And now I'm feeling lonely again. Um, and I don't know what to do. And now I feel guilty because, you know, now I'm trying to um, lead a normal life again. And a few different questions come up. So <clears throat> let's back up and we're going to tackle some of these one by one. The first thing is when people come to me and they say, yeah, you know, my spouse found out I was having an affair and she found out. And now she says she forgives me. We're trying to work on the marriage. We're Catholic. Uh, I feel terrible. I should have never done that. Uh, what do I do? How do I get back into um being married again how, how do i win her back because now i'm telling her that i'm so sorry and she says she's forgiving me giving me so whew, it should be done now right everything's cool and i'm trying to be affectionate with her i'm trying to hug her i'm trying to and she won't have anything to do with it and it's making me making it really hard for me because gosh darn it i'm trying to get back into this and I, i'm showing her that i'm part of this and, and she's she's blowing me off now it's now it's her fault and I say, take a step back because you really need to appreciate what happened and what you're asking for. The first thing is, this is when I was speaking to this one gentleman, uh, I met with him and, and he says, you know, that was his situation. He'd had an affair and actually multiple. He said, you know, I, was, I wasn't very faithful to my wife. I would go out and party with my friends and, you know, if something happened that was okay. And he says, I've been with multiple women and not terribly many, he said, but he doesn't remember how many. Uh, and his wife found out and she was still willing to work with him. But this had gone on. They had been really estranged from each other for about, I would say, two years time. And, you know, how is she going to forgive him for this? When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what does this do to the relationship and what should he expect at the 
Uh, right foot, fuck back to baby. Um, for me, I have to do that as a counselor, as a therapist, uh, as a psychiatrist. Um, but in reality, what if it's your friend? What if it's somebody you know? What if it's somebody who uh, you respect and you realize, oh my gosh, they are not perfect? Well, first of all, let's be honest here. Um, marriage is being attacked catholic marriage is being attacked the sacrament of catholic marriage is being attacked um, because it's actually in question there's many times where people question is that even valid and, and i mean, by that by that i mean society i don't mean the catholic faith or the church it's more society saying you know we're hearing so many different things it doesn't have to be a man and a woman it doesn't have to be um you know anybody can get married uh you don't even have to define your relationship as two people sometimes people say marriage is more than uh one person or more than two people yeah it, it really depends on who you talk to and what their situation is in life or how they understand truly love and truly relationships and the expression of that in our catholic faith we pretty cut and dry we understand it pretty clearly it's a man and a woman since the time of adam and eve uh, as we understand it in the Bible, really more than anything else, the the reading of the book of creation of Adam and Eve, <clears throat> just more than more than anything else, a beautiful story on an, an imagery, an allegory, a, a, a thought on how God created marriage and what was meant by marriage and how marriage can fall apart. If we look at it, if we look at the story of Adam and Eve, there was a problem there. There was a lack of unity there was a moment where Eve was alone and she was tempted and Adam was not around. And then when Eve fell, she did not have the support of her husband. Um, not even to when God asked him, hey, what happened? He didn't say, well, we did this. <clears throat> Adam became very singular. He didn't say, look, uh, we're here and and we sinned and, and we're sorry about that. And I need to talk about that with you god no he said well it wasn't me it was her she made me do this she you know so there was a lack of unity there there and that's really what's happening in today's day and age where is the sense of unity in marriage where is the sense of um you know we're in this together and you are my priority one it's very challenging in our society when really we're taught to make everything else our priority other than marriage in fact, marriage is more of a checkoff on a list of goals. Our priorities growing up in school, I'll tell you, there was no talk about how are you going to have a good marriage? What are you going to do in married life? Look, these are there's going to be struggles in married life. It's not easy. Um, you're going to get to know somebody. Uh, you know, there's no talk about that. There's always talk about what kind of career are you going to have? What kind of grades are you getting? What kind of degree are you going to get? How can you move up the corporate ladder? Let's make sure that you... Uh, um or making as much money as possible because you want to have the right house the right car and then the only talk about marriage is well if you ever want to get married how are you going to support the family and that is a good question there but it's kind of gets layered uh in a whole lot of other goals on a checkoff list and the reality is if and this is you know after going through catholic school it's not like you're going through catholic high school and they're saying you know i took one class on marriage and it was for you know half a year and it was a good it was a good class but it was very biblical and, and and what i mean by that it was very academic there was no real life conversation of look there's going to be challenges that you're going to have to come uh that you're going to have to confront and you're going to come up against 
between you and your spouse and between um, your spouse, your spouses, you guys as a spouse, as a couple together uh, with society and with trying to understand how do we follow our marriage in light of society telling us that we're wrong or that it should be different? How do we teach our children? There's not a whole lot of that. <clears throat> I believe that instead of having goals in life and a whole checkoff list and marriage being one of them, if you really feel like you're being called to be married, if you feel like, gosh, I think someday I would like to have a family, then that's got to be the title of your list. And then there's going to be checkoffs. How do I make this happen? How do I have a good marriage? Versus usually the list is, well, what do you want to do in life as far as your career? <clears throat> and you put that on top and you say, my goal is, well, I mean, for me, I would say to be a doctor. Okay, well, what do you got to do to be a doctor? Well, what's on your checkoff list? How's that going to happen? Well, you got to go to school. You got to get good grades. You got to apply. You got to then go to your specialty. You know, there's all these different things. Notice in there, towards my career, none of that says build yourself up as a man, get married, grow in virtue. It, it, it doesn't have that on our checkoff list. And that's one of the things that I was telling this gentleman before the break, I was talking about uh, myself counseling a gentleman. He was in his 40s, 50s. He had not been faithful to his wife. He had not taken his marriage seriously. And he had for multiple years kind of just pranced around uh, with his friends. His wife finds out and she's willing to take him back and work on it. But, you know, after two months, he felt like gosh, everything should be okay and he should be off the hook and she should be ready to be affectionate with him. And if he wanted to come up and hug her, she should be ready to hug him and whatnot. And I was telling him, I said, you got to take a step back and understand what happened here. Uh, this is the first time that you told your wife about this. One, my question was, did she already know or suspect about it before and was putting up with it for a long time? He didn't know that, but that was something to consider. Why? Because we have to ask two things. One, where is she at now with this, even though she says she forgives you, but where is she at in terms of how does she feel towards you or about you now? Because those are two very different things. She can forgive you. And forgiveness is really going to be for her. It's going to be for her peace of mind. And she's doing her Catholic duty. It's kind of her saying, you know, I want to make it to heaven and I don't want to have anything on my conscience. And I forgive all ill will. That doesn't mean that I love you right away or that I feel like I can trust you right away. So these are, this is something important to consider, especially if you're on the side where, uh, if you find yourself in the husband's side here in this particular case, I told him, you got to understand where she's at. And he says, yes, but if, if she's not reciprocating to me now, if she's not being affectionate to me, what do I do? And I say, okay, well, one, ask yourself, did she know about this for a long time? And she's holding resentment for it. Two, if she didn't know about it for a long time, and this is the first time she finds out, now he says, well, she knew that we weren't doing well. She knew that we weren't talking much. She knew that. I say, okay, that's fine. But if this is the first time she finds out, how do you think she's going to feel? You think that in two months, she's going to feel like, oh, okay, everything's better now and I can trust you. You let her know that you have been doing this for a few years and that, you know, she wasn't priority one in your life. And now she probably feels a whole array of emotions that she's probably not ready to, one, tell you about because she still doesn't trust you. Just because she forgives you doesn't mean that she trusts you. And and in this case, she didn't. And I didn't blame her. I told him, you got to understand where, where she's at. And two, you know, she's going through all these emotions that she's, because she doesn't trust you, she's probably not going to share with you. 
she's not going to share with you how she feels vulnerable or humiliated or alone or like she doesn't know what's going on or what does this mean for our marriage there was a break here there was a tear in the fabric of your marriage you can't sew it up in a couple of months that tear was much bigger than that yeah, every couple is different and i'm talking about this case in particular uh so if it sounds similar to your case where you hear about couples where you're where they say oh you know they, they had an affair but you know gosh you took them back right away that happens i mean there's no question about it i'm talking about this couple in particular and so one of the things i told him was one of the things that you have to do because he said well how am i going to do this because i'm back in it i don't want to have any more affairs i don't want to do anything i don't i just want to be there for her and and be married i said that's what you got to do but you can't expect anything in return. And he said, what are you talking about? We're married. And I said, that's the, that's the situation now. The situation now is that, yes, you are married. And yes, you are sacramentally married because they were married in the Catholic Church. And I said, and it was a valid marriage because you have children. And when you got married, you were both uh, mature of age and you agreed to get married and you both knew what you were doing. There's nothing. There was nothing in the relationship that made it seem or sound like, gosh, maybe there's a question of, an annulment here or something that might uh take place because it sounds like you know maybe it wasn't was not like that at all it's perfectly valid marriage and you got this perfectly valid marriage with a big tear with a big hole in it um with a lack of trust with uh pointing fingers you know making excuses because that was the other thing he was saying well she doesn't see how you know during that time um she could have done this differently or that differently and i said hey this is the situation if you already did this and you are truly sorry you're not necessarily in a position to point fingers he said well then what do i do how what's going to go on now what's going to happen and i told him one i don't know is she is she willing to go to therapy is she willing to um talk to somebody is she willing to do couples therapy is she willing to go talk to a priest where is she at i, said, I told him the first thing you got to find out is you got to ask her that and two it wouldn't be a bad idea to ask her well what can i do to make things better one of the challenges here is for the wife on the other end because now i've seen people in couples therapy um, and a lot of times what happens is when they do come to therapy and something like this has happened whoever is the victim shall we say whoever was cheated on usually is so hurt that they start putting impossible demands on the other person and the challenging part with saying yes i forgive them but there's a challenge there the challenge is that they usually say i forgive them but they need to do this or they need to understand this or they need to say this or they need to answer this question and usually what it is is it's coming from a place where they're feeling like i need that person to feel as hurt as i feel and to feel as abandoned as i feel and humiliated as i feel and then i'll be okay it's sometimes it's coming from a place of i need them to be punished and I need to punish them and I need to make sure that they feel miserable. And so what happens is inadvertently, subconsciously, they might not realize this, whatever demands they're asking of their spouse are going to be impossible to me. And there's never going to be a good answer. I need to know why this person did this. I need to know why my spouse did this. Spouse can give all the answers and reasons as to why they actually had the affair for the victim, for the person who's hurt a lot of times it's never going to be a good enough answer the the question will continue as to but why but why but why almost like a, like you know as children when they come and ask dad why does this happen and then why but then why but then why you can go ad infinitum you can go an infinite question of why's 
and never get the answer that you are looking for. Nothing's going to fill that space. And that's what's really hard about this. This is where the true forgiveness comes in of realizing I forgive this person and I probably won't ever get the answers that I want and I need healing, but I'm not going to get it from them saying anything, um, giving me excuses about anything or anything along those lines. And so what I told him was, first thing is you got to understand that nothing's going to make it better for her. That whatever happened, even if she forgives you, it's nothing you can do is going to make that in particular better. I said, so the first thing that you need to do is you need to be married. And he says, what are you talking about? We already are married. And I said, no, 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 you need to be married. It's not the marriage on the paper. This is where a lot of people say, well, I don't need a piece of paper to tell me I'm married or that I love somebody. Very true. You don't need that piece of paper, but that piece of paper means something. And it's great to be married on paper. However, a lot of people are married on paper and divorced in real life by their actions, meaning that this happens all the time in the Hispanic community. You know, as couples get older, they might not go file for a divorce. They might not separate and live in different places. But a lot of times they live within different places in the same house. Separate bedrooms, never talk to each other, only talk to each other. Getting married, let's talk about that. When we come back... All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we're talking about what my marriage after a break, an affair. And yes, we talked about the classic affairs of, gosh, a husband or a wife um, being imprudent and going and having a physical affair, an intimate affair with another person. But what about all those times that, um, you know, spouses stop being married even though they're living in the same house and by that that can happen in many many ways uh how many times do we not put our spouse first this happens all the time you know we hear about football widows as they call them or sports widows for that matter depending on what the sports season is a lot of times uh classically men you know we always hear about uh, <clears throat> uh spend all their time uh paying attention to sports or whatever hobbies. No, sports and hobbies are great and they're absolutely necessary. It's very important to have a hobby, to have something that is enjoyable for the sake of enjoyment and that uh, is healthy. And, you know, people collect stamps, people, I know guys who used to collect model trains. I know people who have hobbies in all different fields and areas of interest. And it's very important to have a hobby. If you don't have one, find one because it makes life that much more enjoyable uh, and it's actually very therapeutic and good for the mind it brings us back to a sense of joy it's kind of the way that god loves us how does god love us for the sake of loving us there's nothing else to it that's the unconditional love if somebody has a true passion a true hobby that's not only healthy for yourself but it's healthy for the relationships that you're going to form so in a marriage it is healthy to have hobbies and for spouses to encourage each other to have hobbies <clears throat> a really healthy marriage is when spouses kind of find interest in each other's hobbies. It doesn't have to be that way, but if nothing else, respect each other's hobbies and say, oh yeah, you know, they're really into X, Y, or Z. They really like their whatever collection, but you know, I'm happy for them that they have that because when they do that, they geek out on take your pick <clears throat> and they have a good time and, and they seem a lot happier for it. And I encourage it so long as it's healthy, so long as it's not something that's going to 
break up the marriage long. It's not something that's going to take up so much time, such as sports, which are a dedicated season, where you ignore your spouse, where you ignore your family or your duties as a family. During football season, do all men go to church? Or do you say, I can't go to church because a football game's on? That's where our priorities are. If I can't go to church because a football game's on, that means I can't probably pay attention to my wife because a football game's on, unless some wives get into the games with a husband. But if as a couple, we're putting the football game before going to church, that's a situation where we're already on slippery ground because our marriage is united uh, in the sacrament, in the sacrament of making sure that we put God first, even in a marriage, even though I put my wife first, shall we say, I kind of put God before my wife. And so the question came up, how do I fix this? My wife won't talk to me, to me anymore. She wants to be affectionate or she doesn't want to be affectionate. I want to, you know, I'm not saying that we have to be intimate again, but gosh, I go by and I try to give her a hug. I, I tell her nice things and she doesn't reciprocate. <clears throat> and so when I told, um, the gentleman, as I said, you got to stop doing all that because he's all, but I really mean it. I truly, and I say, ah, hang on. You mean it because you feel bad, but why weren't you doing all that stuff before? Why weren't you going up to her and telling her you loved her and that she was important and that you wanted to hold her hand? And when did you stop doing that? You started doing it again now, but there was a moment when you stopped doing that. That's the moment you stopped being married. That's the moment that you stopped making that effort. That's the moment that you forgot your responsibility and we do have that responsibility to make her feel special, to put her first in your life, to let her know that she was first in your life. It's kind of like our relationship with God. When was the moment that I decided ah, going to mass is just, you know, I got other priorities. The football game is a bigger priority. When did we make that decision? When did we start having that affair on God? It's the same thing with our marriage. If I'm not letting my wife know that she is the number one thing in my life and I put anything else before that, I'm already heading down that road of affair. I'm already heading down that road of I'm not 100% in this and I'm not actually nurturing our relationship. <clears throat> and that can be pretty, pretty hard on the relationship. It makes it so that if something like this does happen, you know, the spouse is probably hurt. So his spouse is hurt, but she didn't sound surprised from what he was telling me. I've never met her, but she didn't sound surprised. It wasn't like he said that. She felt like, what are you talking about? We've been doing so well. Everything's wonderful. You're always telling me you love me. You're, I didn't see this coming. No, you know, you got to wonder, gosh, we're not getting along. We're not there for each other. This is a challenge. This is a challenge. Well, so what I told him was, in order for you to fix this, one, you're not going to fix it. I said, you just have to go ahead and start living your life. And he said, what does that look like? What do you mean? I said, you just got to start being married. First thing, what, what do I do? So I told him, the first thing you got to do is show up. Show up to, well, I'm already there, Dr. Well, no, I don't mean physically. Show up in your heart. Show up. Wake up in the morning, in your mind, in your heart, and the first thing you should think about is God. Say your morning prayers and think, I am married. What am I doing for my family today? So instead of having that career goal checkoff list of saying, okay, I got to go to work and I got to, you know, talk to my boss and move up the ladder. and all, Yeah, you got to do all those things. There's no question about that. But at the top of the of our new list of our list for life is happy marriage or faithful marriage or marriage. Put that up there. What am I doing for my marriage? On our checkoff list now, I'm going to go to work because I'm going to earn money to help support my family. My family's goal one and my whole point of going to work was to support my family, not to grow 
in the in the business world or the uh, you know the work world not to move up the ladder. If we can, the opportunities are that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's my goal, is that going to interfere with my marriage? Because if I do move up that ladder, if I do want to go get that title, is that going to make me my job change in such a way that now I'm not going to have as much time for my family? That's something to consider. We don't think about that because in our society. All we care about is those titles moving up the ladder, maybe a little raise or something. Oh, that's that we really want to focus on. But that puts the family to the side. The real question is, if my family is my priority number one, then every action I take, every uh, move I uh, uh, I do work-wise, career-wise, I can't do that without thinking my family comes first. How is this going to affect my family? So that's point number one. So our checkoff list should be that. The next thing on our checkoff list might, might be, how do I grow in virtue so I can be a better husband? So I can be a better father. What virtue do I need to work on? What is it that I need? Do I need more prudence? Do I need more fortitude? Do I need more patience? Do I need to pray for faith, hope, and love? What is it that I need? That should be on our checkoff list. How can I follow the commandments better? Because I know that if I'm good with God, as the head of the household, as the man of the house, there's going to be graces coming into my household. That's going to have a domino effect in my family. These are the questions you need to be asking yourself as soon as you wake up in the morning. So this is where you got to start working on yourself. The next part is, how do you be married? You wake up, you got to be present. You got to see what is needed in the house. And more than anything else, take a step back and remember what your wedding vows are. So if we're going to read the traditional Catholic wedding vows, this is what they are. The bells are I, and then you say your name, take you, and you say the person's name, to be my, take your pick, husband or wife. I promise to be true in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. Now, <clears throat> we got to take that apart. The first thing is, I told him, if you look at those wedding vows, if we read those wedding vows, there's nothing about, I'm marrying you and you have to do this. Now, of course, in a marriage, there is an expectation that the spouse or the partner is going to reciprocate this because they're saying the same vows back to me. So I'm assuming that they're going to reciprocate. I have no control over that. This is where marriage is freely given and taken. The person agreed to it. It's a verbal agreement. It's a it's a contract, really is. Uh, it's a marital contract. And what it is, is I have to keep up my end of the contract. I have no control over whether you do or not. And I told him the same way she had no control over whether you kept it uh, when you started, you know, veering from the marital promises. He said he didn't want to admit that, but that was true. And I told him, now, when you look at these marriage vows, all it says is I. It doesn't say you unless it means that, you know, you as a subject, you have to do this or that. It says I will do certain things. The first thing is, I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad. And what does that mean? To be true to you means that I'm going to be honest about who I am, what I need, and what I feel needs to be fulfilled in the marriage with you in mind. I'm going to be true to you. I'm going to be honest with you. You might not always like to hear it, but that's part of a good friendship. A good friend will let the other person know, hey, you messed up here. You didn't mess up there. You know, I don't like how you did this. I'm going to be true to you, whether we're in good times or in bad. And that's very important. It means that there's a sense of honesty. I'm going to be honest with you about what's going on. So I told him, looking back, if the marriage was stale, if you're going to be true to her, you should have said, hey, our marriage kind of sucks right now. What can we do about it? 
that's a perfectly good place to be. That's not bad. <clears throat> a lot of people might take offense to that and say, how can you tell your spouse that your marriage is not in a good place? That's exactly what you need to do, especially if your marriage is not in a good place, because that's like saying, hey, you know what? My car is in dis disrepair. It needs a few things. I better tune it up because I want it to drive well. In fact, it's a beautiful thing to tell your spouse. I don't think our marriage is working here or there because it means that I want to make our marriage better. I want to make sure that we're running smoothly here, that we're both on the same page because I love this marriage and something feels off. Sometimes if we just talk about things, we might realize the other person's either on the same page, had no idea about it, and is more than willing to say, yeah, what can we do? Well, why don't we go out? Why don't we talk a little bit more? You know, we're going to continue to grow as people. We continue to mature. For all I know, you know, different people, as we get older, we might have different tastes. Gosh, but you always like to eat vanilla ice cream. Yeah, but now I like a different flavor. I never knew that. You can live with the same person in the house for a long time and not always be aware of what their tastes are, what they like, if there's no communication, if there is no love being communicated. Let's look at the next part in sickness and in health. Now, sickness and health, we always think of this as saying, oh, I'm physically healthy or I am physically not healthy. But the reality is, is there a spiritual illness going on in the relationship? Is there something that's keeping us from being healthy? Sickness and health can also be you're addicted to football. There was another couple that didn't have an affair, but the husband revealed to his wife that he had an addiction to pornography. And it might as well, he might as well have told her that he had a full affair because that's the exact same way she reacted. When we come back from the break, folks, we're going to continue reading the remainder of these wedding vows and figure out, okay, what's the for this side? like to fix my mirror. More after this. All right, folks, so welcome back to the And we are talking about recover from failure in our marriage. And in particular, we were talking about um, people having affairs or being unfaithful to their spouses. But really, when we look at the bigger picture, there's lots of ways that we can fail in our marriage without directly um, being unfaithful to our spouse in the traditional sense of things, because we are unfaithful in different ways to our marriage vows. And these are all things that even if we don't think about it, um, because we say, well, it's not like I cheated on the person. Well, and sometimes, yeah, it is like you did, because you're not following through with what was what you promised at your wedding. So we're going through here, the marriage vows. And we talked about how the Catholic marriage vows now, they say that, or the marriage vow says that I'm going to be faithful to you, good times and bad, with sickness and health. And before the break, we were talking about how sickness and health, we, can't, we always think about it as physical sickness and health, but we can think about the spiritual aspect of things. You know, am I being spiritually healthy? Am I spiritually ill? Am I mentally healthy or mentally ill? And part of that also, that's where a lot of the attack comes in to marriages where am I mentally healthy? Am I always assuming the good of my spouse? Am I <clears throat> giving my spouse the benefit of the doubt? Or do I always assume, oh, look at them now. Look at what they're, what did I marry? Uh, I should have listened to my mother listen to my dad, whatever it is, because we can very easily find faults in our spouses. And that's actually part of what marriage is not finding the faults, but 
recognizing that we are not perfect, recognizing the imperfections in our spouse and still loving them for who they are. A healthy marriage is somebody who says, yeah, I know that they are, you know, X, Y, or Z. I know that they do this all the time. I know that they uh, aren't good at picking up their dirty clothes. I know that, but you know what? I love them anyway. And <clears throat> does that get to me? It can sometimes if I let it. And the question is, are we letting our spouse's, you know, defects get to us? Or are we letting their good side, their really, their virtues, their um, gifts get to us? Are we recognizing that? In today's society, there is a general, general trend uh, that I have seen, uh, especially if you do it any social media or online or anything like that. I'm not really on social media, uh, but I do look at a lot of things in regard to relationships online. And there is a very, very big trend for spouses to, uh, well, I should say in this particular case, it's for women to put videos online on different websites about how bad their husbands are. There was one recently where a woman, I saw a woman put a video online about how while she was sick, the kitchen was not taken care of and it was a mess and she was just trashing her husband about this um, as if, you know, this was his fault or he failed or something along those lines. She'd been sick for a couple of days and the house was a mess and she was talking about how poor her husband was, uh, you know, how disappointed she was and really making fun of them, you know, and, and it's very trendy also if you watch TV or shows to make the husband or the dad look like a buffoon instead of the head of the household. And the question I had for this lady was, what was your goal of that? What was your goal of, this is your spouse. This is a person you married. What was your goal of putting out a video trying to trash them? Did you ask them why it wasn't clean? Uh, do you guys have an idea or an agreement that, you know, it's your job to do this or his job to do that? If he is not, you know, if, if some of if he got busy or anything along those lines, if he has chores, are you expected to do his chores? Does he ever do videos of, you know, if we're going to go with traditional roles, gosh, the lawn wasn't mowed or, or the car's oil wasn't changed or something along those lines, is he going to trash you for it? You know, I think that's a very, very common um, pitfall for spouses to assume things of each other. But the bigger pitfall, especially nowadays with the internet being such a public forum, is to trash our spouse. And that goes into the next part of the of the um, vows where it says that you're going to love, I'm, go I'm going to love you and honor you all the days of my life. How is that loving and honoring your spouse? It means really to love and honor your spouse. We always think love is well, that means I'm going to bring you flowers and I'm going to uh, write love letters to you. I mean, when we think of love, we think of it as very mushy-gushy. But love really means that if I come down and I find out that the house is in this position or, you know, something's not going on uh, that I like in the house. And let's say, let's take this case in particular again, where she was sick for a few days and came down and the kitchen was a mess. To love and honor the spouse might be hey, let's sit down, what happened here? Or gosh, I'm really tired. Can you help me clean up the kitchen? Or either, could you have done this? You know, have a conversation about that. Why trash your, your spouse publicly? You know, because what I've seen online is mostly, the trend is mostly women doing that to their husbands. I haven't really seen any husbands doing that to their wives. But what if the shoe were on the other foot? You know, do you think that you would have liked for your husband to have a conversation with you? Or do you think that you would like to have uh, him put a video out about how horrible he thinks you are. You know, we got to really consider this as to 
how is this healthy for our marriage? And this is again where I think our goal has to be marriage at the top of the list with how are we going to improve this? What can we do towards the marriage of our of our goal list, of our career list, if you will? Um, and really put in those bullets of how can I help if my spouse is lacking in a certain area, what can I do to help them? How can I talk to them about it? Uh, what what agreement can we come to? And we might never come to that agreement. And unfortunately, that's part of being married. Part of being married means, you know what? These are some things that we just don't talk about because we're not going to agree on. That's, and that's not to say that, that can be healthy or unhealthy. It's not to say that it has to be unhealthy, depending on what the things are we're not talking about. And that's something to consider with a counselor or somebody if it's getting to be a problem. But if it's really something as simple as bad habits or anything that can be fixed, well, for the most part, I don't see how trashing your spouse or not talking to them is a sign of loving them and honoring them. The honoring part, you'd be surprised at how far it can go if you go up to your spouse and tell them, I really like these things about you. Let them know, when was the last time that we told our spouse, you know, I really like the way that you do this. I really appreciate this. Thank you for doing this, or thank you for doing that. Even everyday things. Hey, thank you for taking out the trash. I really appreciate that. Hey, thank you for having dinner ready. It was really good. Hey, thank you for going to work and providing for us in, in a one household income, or thank you for going to work and providing for us in a two household income, whatever it is. When was the last time that we honored our spouse? These are things to consider because this is what's going to be healthy for the marriage. Now, we're supposed to do this all the days of our life. Marriage is tiring, and this is where I think that a better way to educate our children, our growing children, in the sacrament, in the idea of the sacrament of marriage, is from day one to let them know marriage needs to be a priority. As Catholics, we believe this, and this is what's going to make your life happier. You need to make your marriage a priority. That's all there is to it. You need to, um, you know, let your... Uh, spouse know that your marriage is a priority. How do you convey that? You're going to convey that by showing up. And this is what I told this gentleman. How do I convey all this? How, how do you, how do I make all this happen? That's what essentially what he was asking. And what I told him was this, you know, I opened up the Bible. One time I opened up the Bible and I, this passage just struck out to me because I thought sometimes we don't know how to do things or I really need an answer right now. Instead of how many people turn to mediums and psychics for answers, but I thought, no, you know, if this is the true living word of God, and I'm going to have faith in that, that the Bible is the word of God, then if I open up the Bible, I'm going to find an answer in here somehow with God himself guiding me. One time I remember opening up the Bible, and this is Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, and it's a very, very simple verse. Now, remember, this is St. Paul, and he's in jail, but the word of God, so this was Jesus speaking to me, and this is what I told this gentleman when um, when he was asking me, how do I do this? How do I now show my wife that I love her? The first thing was, it was Jesus saying, do your best to come to me soon. I'm not saying Paul is speaking to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. And I told him, that's what you got to do. How are you going to love your spouse? One, you got to do your best to get to Jesus soon. Because that's where it starts. You're not going to love your spouse without working on yourself. So this is the first time you revealed to her that you were having these affairs. But does that mean that all of a sudden, because you did that, you are now healthy and fit to be in this marriage and you understand the nuances of your spouse and you understand uh, now that you are, or you think now that you're not at risk of having an affair again? No, because as soon as she's not paying attention to you now, how are you feeling? 
do you feel like, oh, what's the point? I might as well just go back to what I was doing. Very, very common to feel that way. So no, here's the challenging part. Remember, you said good times and bad. Well, this is a bad time for you for multiple reasons. And you're frustrated because she's not paying attention to you. Well, the first thing you got to do is not focus on her. You got to focus on your marriage. You got to do your best to come to me soon. And that means Jesus is talking to you. And you got to do your best to get the holy hour. You got to do your best to get your relationship right with Jesus. Because the truth is, if you didn't put your spouse first, you weren't putting God first. And this is where you actually got to put God before everything else. Start going to holy hour. Start going back to mass. Start living the Catholic life without worrying about whether your spouse is um, affectionate with you or not. You just got to start building yourself first as a Catholic. Next, you got to start building yourself as a man. And again, we go back to Timothy, only this time into Timothy. Uh, this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, because he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, here's a good verse for you. It says, but as for you, man of God, shun all this. And all this was talking about the pleasures of the world, the focus on money, the focus on whatever desires we have in fulfilling those. So shun all that, put all that aside, put all your emotional desires aside, put the importance of your emotions aside, and aim at righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Tell them this is what you got to do. This is how you're going to win her back. You're going to show up. You're going to be married. Whatever chores you got to do around the house, you're going to do your chores. You're going to be kind to her, but you're not going to deny that everything of everything that happened, what happened in the situation, because really that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to say, hey, I'm sorry, and now we're back to whatever. But if you don't honor and respect the fact that she is going to be very hurt, it's like you're denying what happened. You're just trying to say, hey, let's make this go away and we're okay. And that's not being true. So this is where you got to be true to your wife. Remember, uh, that was the first thing that we had read. You're going to be true to you, which means I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, and that's the, the important thing to consider. And the honesty right now is to say, hey, what I did really affected our marriage. And I got to get better at this. And now all I'm going to do is show up. I'm not going to make excuses because whatever questions you ask, I'm not going to have a good enough answer for. That's the truth. Whatever you say, why did this happen? Why didn't you do this? Couldn't you have done? There's never going to be an answer that's going to fulfill that question. It's never going to be good enough. It does, it's not going to matter in that sense. It matters that she's hurt. It matters that she has these questions. But no matter what answer you give her, it's not going to be good enough. This is where you just need to show up. And you got to give it time. When you do show up, this is what you got to do. Let's read it again. Again, it comes from... Um, First, I'm sorry, that's first, second Timothy, uh, chapter six, verse 11. But as for you, man of God, shun all this, aim at righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And really, that's what you gotta do to show up to your marriage, shun the world, aim at that which is godly, and get to Christ as soon as possible. Do that with focusing on your spouse, to repair any damage that was done, if there was any to repair. Thank you, and until next week, keep it calm.